flags in 100 years. The shithouse, if you think we'll be insightful, clever or just well researched. We're here to say that's not the case, we'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one cop. It is Wednesday, May the 22nd. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And Will, how are you feeling about footy this week? I'm feeling pretty great, actually. Um, uh, obviously, Game of Thrones style. I haven't seen the final episode of Game of Thrones yet. Don't so do no this spo- again. We tried this last week. It didn't work. <laughs> We're not doing the Game of Thrones thing again. People didn't like it. We couldn't pull it off. Let's just avoid it. Uh, no, uh, Game of Thrones style, Charlie. Um, I've only watched up to three-quarter time in the Bulldogs-Geelong match. And I've got a really good feeling about how the final series is going to work out. I believe I'm going to be very happy. And once I watch that final quarter of the Bulldogs playing down in Geelong, I am not going to have to start a petition of a whole bunch of Bulldogs fans who want it entirely (laughs) rewritten. Uh, New season. It was good. It was good until three-quarter time. And then it was just terrible. We got pantsed. You and I had exactly the same experience. Like the Saints were fucking three points down against Collingwood at three-quarter time. I was in a class and I'd been checking the score and I was like, this is great. And then when I saw it at three-quarter time, I was like, all right, I'm going to put my phone in flight mode. I'm going to drive home. I'm not going to like talk to anyone. I'm going to sit down and just settle in for this last, oh my God, what happened? They kicked like seven goals in the last quarter and we kicked one. I mean, I, it was really one of those nights where I was like, Bontempelli kicked a goal from 70 meters out, like just before three-quarter time. And I was like, oh, here we go. Here we go. The Bulldogs are going to win for the first time in 20 years down at Geelong. This is brilliant. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to go home and watch this. And then I'll turn on the election. That one will have a pretty expected yeah. result. And I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, well, this, yeah. neither of these have gone well tonight for anyone. <laughs> I mean, it is, I feel like the, 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 the year is now, when I think about the hope I had at the start of the season after those few wins we had, and what I realized about the Saints now is we've beaten the teams we should beat. And we're losing the teams we should lose to. Like, I don't think in retrospect beating Hawthorne or Melbourne were particularly big upsets because I think Hawthorne and Melbourne are about where we're at at the moment as well. So we, uh, where we are on the ladder and how we're playing is an accurate representation of where we are as a team. We can hang in there with the big boys for three quarters, but ultimately they go to another gear or they flex their muscles and we just can't keep up. It's Yeah, it's interesting Like with the Bulldogs. I still am unsure about where they're at because like, I mean, we lost to Carlton. We lost yeah. to Carlton, a team and that, Gold you know, Coast. yeah, Carlton and the Gold Coast. And yet like against the really good teams, we've looked pretty good. Like there's that sort of thing you're going, I feel like we can compete with the best teams in the competition, but geez, we struggle against the worst teams in the competition. <laughs> like we would really struggle if we made the finals and then had to play anyone in the bottom four. Well, it sounds like the Bulldogs are trying to copy the Collingwood game plan of like Mm. when your backs are against the wall, that's when you produce your best best football. The games you should win, you lose. I mean, is there a chance that Bevo has spotted that that Collingwood can no longer have their backs against the wall and he's noticed there's a a vacancy Um, nearby the wall? There's a wall. (laughs) There's a wall there that needs filling. So there's a wall and no one's backs are to that wall and I believe we've got a little list of people whose backs could be against that wall. Yeah, it's weird. The, the the thing about the Bulldogs, too, is that different to the Saints is you actually have, like, you know, you got your Bontempellis and your Libbers and now Norton's sort of, like, showing stuff. Like, you've got some real superstars there. But where is the disconnect happening? Is it your is it your dreaded, what do they say, 18 to 20, 20 second player? Do you just have a, or a bottom, uh, your bottom six aren't good enough? Uh, I think, like, we, we lack uh, enough sort of big player. It's been our problem. Big. It, we just lack big bodies. We've got a like, right. great team of like, you know, mid-sized and small players, including the smallest player in the league, Caleb Daniel. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I think that that makes some of our other players look bigger than they are. You yeah. know, that's the problem. Like, you know, if you stand, you know, Jackson McRae next to, Jack McRae next to uh, Caleb Daniel, he, he looks quite imposing. But if you stand him next to other people, he looks little. Even like one of your bigger players, Bont, plays like a midfielder. Mm. I mean, Bont is deceptively tall. Isn't he like 6'3 or 6'4 or yep. something? But he yeah, plays absolutely. like a midfielder. Um, you know what? It, like, it's one of those things with the Bulldogs where I, th- I don't think we're that far away. I mean, obviously, mm. oh, well, what happened last time uh, when we recorded pretty much a few hours afterwards was that Tom Boyd 
announced his retirement from the game, which, mm. you know, at 23 years old, you're talking about a guy who, you know, was a number one draft choice in the AFL, who was our grand final hero and probably should have been, you know, Norm Smith in the in the 2016 grand final, but really got us there as well by playing so brilliantly in the ruck the week before against uh, GWS. Like, uh, you know, a guy who... As Luke Beveridge said, you know, in his in his press conference, he did, um, you know, a guy who after that 2016 grand final, everyone just imagined had the world at his feet from a footballing sense. And I think mm. the club certainly expected that as well. So, you know, we haven't recruited for a Tom Boyd type because we had a Tom Boyd, you know. And mm. so it's sad that, you know, his struggles both, you know, with his body and his mind have meant that he, you know, had no longer has any joy in the game and has moved on to something else. But... It is interesting to, to like, cause all, I think all the Bulldogs are just like, well, you know what you, you starred when you needed to star. If you want to go and do something else with the rest of your life, good luck to you, sir. Like there's not that sort of resentment. I think from, despite the fact that we all look at, you know, that he could have been, you know, a superstar, you know, footballer mm. if he ever got his body right. Um, you know, the fact that he's walking away, there's, there's another part of being a Bulldogs fan that just goes, well, good on you, mate. You, you delivered to us what you, we all wanted, which was the premiership. And if you want to do something else with the rest of your life, then good luck to you. Yeah. And it's also like that thing of, you don't get to choose where you get picked, how you're assessed by the outside and your draft year is completely out of your control. So, cause you see that and that there's a lot of talk around, um, you know, obviously Paddy McCartan and, uh, um, uh, oh fuck, uh, uh, Christian Petrarca, Christian kind of say Petrarca, not filling fulfilling their potential. Obviously, Paddy's had injuries, but then Christian Petrarca just doesn't seem to have clicked. And it's like people are saying, "Well, you know, it's a waste of talent." Well, hang on, maybe that's not his fault. Maybe it's the guys who put together the top ten list. Maybe it was the recruiters who were fooled by something. Maybe these other players, like your Angus Brayshaws and your Jordan Dugowies, had like. A burst growth spurt to whatever after their draft year. I think it's that draft system puts a un, hugely unfair amount of expectation on what are ultimately just like young guys trying to go into an incredibly competitive workplace. It is one of those things where you get judged so harshly for being the number one pick where you have absolutely nothing to do with that. You essentially yeah. just do your best and then people decide that you're going to be the number one pick. And most of the time, the other thing is that if, like, you know, someone will pick someone as number one. And if you'd asked 12 of the other 18 clubs at the time, if they'd had the number one pick, they also would have picked that player. It's not mm. like, it's rare that like the person who goes at number one, every other recruiter is like, oh, I'd never heard of him. I'd never would have yeah, picked yeah. him in the top 10. Yeah. And the thing about Petrarca, I think that sort of damaged him was that interview he did when he's a second or third yep. year player where he t talked about being a Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, Petrarca, some of it's on him. Like yeah. he was the one who said, I want to be an AFL Hall of Famer. And he still could be. He's just, he's just got a little bit of work to do between now and the Hall of Fame. Um, what was your highlight of the week? Oh, um, it's got to be Ryan's mark, right? I mean, it was, you know what I loved about uh, Liam Ryan's mark was that BT, I was watching the TV coverage of it, and he called it, from like five seconds before it happened. Like yeah. it was one of those moments yeah. where you're like, he BT, like BT's call of what was about to happen was almost as spectacular as the mark itself. Yeah. He picked it for like, what I love about when they show the replays, it's not just the grab, but they show him sprinting because he was standing side by side with Kennedy when Kennedy had the ball and he sprinted 60 meters to get to the goal square. And the great thing about it, like I've watched that replay a, a billion times Liam Ryan plays football the way your mate did when you're doing kick to kick. Mm. Like, I don't know that Liam Ryan, sure, he does pressure acts and stuff, but he's mainly in it for the big grabs and the goals. <laughs> like, like, if you think even about that hit he laid in the grand final last year, I don't think Liam Ryan's a big fan of, like, you know, contact football. I think he just likes getting the ball on the outside and doing the, and doing the spectacular stuff. And so that grab was just magic like especially when you consider who he took it over like Max Gorn one of the most fearsome ruckmen in the competition going back with a fight of the ball like doesn't matter that you know he was going back with a fight of the ball that's still a huge frame that you're throwing your body against and the way he just like jumped clung and then floated off him to take that grab like they I heard a few commentators talking about they reckon he threw his legs up as he is in the air just to make it look extra spectacular I don't know about that but it worked yeah it looked amazing 
And then yeah. the, the the hilarious thing of the West Coast guys going and hanging it on Max Gorn, who up until that point had absolutely dominated the game. Like, it was the first time that Vardy had got even close to Max Gorn for the entire game yeah. was when he ruffled his hair when he was on the ground. <laughs> for so, Like, he rubbed his face in the ground for something that Vardy had had nothing to do with nothing himself. Nothing to do with. <laughs> He's come in. Like, like essentially, Max Gorn has embarrassed Vardy all day long. And then Liam Ryan's done something. Max Gorn's down on the ground because Max Gorn has had the courage to back back into an uncomfortable situation for the sake of his team. And Vardy's like, well, while you're down there, I'm going to mash your face in the ground. Like, it made it even better. <laughs> that wasn't my highlight of the game, though. Um, the best bit for me was uh, Speed Machine. Did you see this, Jack Petricelli, getting run down by was it Frost, I think, and losing his shirt? I saw that happen live. And I have never laughed so hard in my life. It was like something from a Warner Brothers cartoon. And if you haven't seen it, like Petricelli gets the ball at half forward, puts the afterburners on, as they say. But Frost catches up to him, grabs his sleeve under his Guernsey and just rips and him so, rips the shirt off. But Petricelli is going so hard, he literally tackles him out of his shirt. It's fucking unbelievable. I did not see that. I'll have to find ah, the footage well, of it. It's in it's in the AFL top ten. It's it's absolutely it's absolutely brilliant. Um, another uh, highlight out of that game for me <laughs> was uh, Jeremy McGovern hits the deck. His jumper rides up over his belly, and he sort of tugs it down quite quickly. You should have heard the material the commentators got for the next five minutes. Like Bruce McAvaney was quite you know it was like oh Jeremy McGovern's showing his six pack. And then the guffaws of laughter from the rest of the commentary team. Yeah. About, I don't when know he said six-pack, six he meant Bruce. a six-pack of fried chicken that he just picked <laughs> up at KFC. <laughs> I don't think anybody's ever gone to the gym and gone, I'd like a professional sports person's body. And the gym instructor's gone, I can get you the Jeremy McGovern. I can get you a Lance Whitnell or a Jeremy McGovern. That's the best I can do with you, mate. I think there should be a... When Jeremy McGovern retires, I want to go on McGovern blowout watch because how big do you reckon the blowout's going to be when Jeremy McGovern is not having to attend compulsory training sessions? Oh, I, I, I mean, or I'd love if he was one of those guys who gets really fit after he stops playing football. You know, occasionally like plug, it goes back the other way. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just like, why could you never be that fit when you were actually <laughs> playing a professional sport? <laughs> yeah. He, start, he takes up triathlons or some shit yeah. like that. <laughs> Yeah, you know uh, Jeremy McGovern ran an ultra marathon, right? He weighs like he's it's actually skinnier than Steve Monaghetti now. There is something about the ex footballer, like if you've ever been to one of those functions where there's a bunch of ex footballers, especially if they still like to get on the piss a bit, mm. the way they put on weight is extraordinary. And I don't know if it's because they apply the same kind of discipline to their drinking that they had as athletes, but there is something about like you know when you see a. Um, I don't know, like a Lance Whitnell now or even like a Billy Brown or whatever. It's like, wow, like you've got big frames, but you've just added heaps and heaps of beer to it. Yeah, what I love is like of the proper big blokes and, and, and Billy Brownless does have this about him, which is that they seem to add weight like kind of proportionately from head to toe. Yes. Like you always kind of imagine, they don't kind of get like a, you know, a Santa Claus style, you know, big gun. They just end everywhere. up just like everything just gets kind of bigger. Like they're yeah. just kind of, if you cut them, like there's just like a layer of like gravy or something. It's kind of like, you know, um, uh, when you see celebrities like John Travolta and, and uh, uh, Val Kilmer are two examples I can think yes. of. When they get to a certain age where the thickness between their head and their neck gets the same, that's what happens with a football, but with their entire bodies. Like they just become this one vaguely humanoid shape. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just love it, like because they essentially end up like spending time, so much time at the fridge, they start looking like a fridge. And McGovern d has the build for that. Like he has the build for a guy who I just imagine will drink twenty six cans a night when he stops playing footy. <laughs> hey, the, Mike Hells has provided us with a, watch this uh, Petrocelli tackle. Just click oh, that okay. link there. Watch oh, that. All right, I'll have a look. All right. Oh. Petra Chally puts on the afterburners. Oh, oh. <laughs> See, isn't it great? It's like something from a Looney Tunes cartoon. Oh, wow. 
Okay, so he gets like the he gets kind of under the sleeve, which yeah. gives him something to hook onto, yeah. and then he just slings him from the underarm of his sleeve and undresses him as it goes. But it's like oh, it explodes, right? It explodes. Yeah. It's like the Guernsey just disintegrates. It's amazing. Well, you know what it's like? It actually makes his uh, Guernsey look like uh, he's a male stripper. It looks kind yeah. of like your end of Magic Mike dance number. Like, you or know, a wrestler. Uh, yeah, Pony by Genuine should be playing because it just like kind of comes apart <laughs> as if it was actually designed to just come apart. Um, big winners and losers from the weekend. Who is the big loser? And I think the guy sitting across from you right now could probably tell you. Well, I, I would have thought. Um, no, I would have thought. Yes, the Carlton are the big losers, obviously, of the, of the weekend. There's been a lot of talk around Carlton and you know where Carlton are going, but it's hard for me to enjoy ripping into Carlton because they beat the Bulldogs. For me, mm. I've still got that in my mind. I, I, you know, I'm unconvinced by, you know, the idea of Carlton being terrible because they weren't terrible against us. Yeah. But I mean, it's you. You hear these statements that come out every after one of these losses, and you just know, like reading between the lines, they're not going to sack Bolton because it's too expensive, right? That's a thing. They can't sack him because they committed to letting him see out the year. But I just, I just wonder if. But he doesn't have a contract, does he, Bolton? Isn't he on like staff or something? Isn't there his deal like he doesn't have like a proper coaching contract? He's just like a member of the Carlton staff or whatever. I yeah, think he works. Just, in the, he works in the tax shop. Yeah, I think they can just put him on long service leave or something. Send him on a holiday. Well, I just I, there's a few guys that I WhatsApp with football fans mm. and the Carlton supporters with each of these losses are getting so angry and impatient. I don't know what they think will happen though by. I just don't know the way out of this. Do you think sacking Bolton will give them any kind of relief? Or will at least sort of let them say, well, okay, our year's shit, we've acknowledged it. So, you know, if we don't win another game, at least we've taken steps towards fixing this problem. I think if Bolton is a good teaching coach, like, and you don't, you have to be on the inside of the club to know that. But if he's a good teaching coach, then I just think you keep him until the end of the year and you suck it up and you deal with that. And then you replace him at the end of the year with a team that, you know, continues to be, you know, coach. Oh, hang on. There's a link here to um, uh, his contract. His contract. So let's, uh, here we go. Uh, this is when he first, um, uh, oh, there was a telling stat the other day. Because remember when he was uh, the filling coach uh, for Hawthorne and he won mm. like five games or something. And then there was an yeah. article the other day going in the last four years, he's only sort of won five games. So it's, <laughs> it's a tough stat. Um this is uh, by John Ralphie Ralph uh, back uh, on August 25, 2015. New Carlton coach Brendan Bolton has agreed to a radical rolling contract, but the Blues are committed to the rookie mentor for three years. Oh, well, there you go. It's, that sounds like the name. Year. It was that the original like the article. They were only committed for three years. It sounds like the name of a, of a wacky 60s kind of film, Brendan Bolton's radical rolling contract. <laughs> Well, it's like a, a Harry Potter Sergeant Peppers. Brendan yeah. Bolton and the Radical Rolling Contract. Yeah. Uh, all right, here we go. If Bolton is sacked inside three years, he'd receive the bulk of monies owed for the initial term. If he coaches beyond that point, here we go, he would continue on a rolling basis with a specified notice period and payout figure. So I don't know if it would be that much. Like, it feels like, you know... Uh, Carlton believes the unusual contract with Bolton will spirit continual speculation about his future. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Bad luck, guys. Fail. Um, but it says here, with the Blues committed to giving him every chance to compete, complete what many believe will be a five-year rebuild. So he's still got a year and a half left on what they, at the time, thought would be... This is... Yeah, but a rebuild, I mean, if he's at the year four of a five-year rebuild, you would want him to have seen an upward swing, right? Well, yes, but I would have thought that, you know, they still, they've got some upside potential this year, and then next year's the the fifth year of the rebuild. Well, it's kind of hard because the losses they've had this year, and there's been been a couple of blowouts, but there's also been like quite a number of honourable losses. Yeah. So it's sort of hard to... No, we put them. I just seem to remember, and, and they've again, got injuries. They've had like they're yeah. they're playing without a couple of really decent players. 
Yeah, the entire back line's basically been decimated. But it's I mean, also the fact that, that they swapped that draft pick with Adelaide <laughs> based on the idea that they thought that they would finish above Adelaide uh, is they, that's probably going to come back and haunt them because even well, if they I think, finish bottom, they're not going to get the Adelaide's going to get the number one draft pick. I think that it, if by some miracle Bolton stays, I think what that means that draft deal is that Silvani will be gone. Stephen or Jack? Both. <laughs> See you later, <laughs> Silvani's. <laughs> The most famous name in Carlton history, out the frickin' door. I mean, yeah. I mean, the problem with Carlton is there's just been no good since you've not been able to cheat. And the only way that they're ever going to get good again is if the AFL bring back being able to cheat. And I just don't know if the AFL are going to bring back being able to cheat. What happens, though, if they did, if there was a special, whether they say dispensation or whatever... Carlton are allowed to pay more players on the salary cap and they still don't win games. <laughs> like, what if it's been too long off being able to cheat that they can't remember how to cheat? Yeah, oh, that's right. They've lost, they've actually have to bring in a cheating consultant. They have to get John <laughs> yeah. Elliott back to John the club to remind them how to actually cheat properly. All right, it's called a brown paper bag. This is Tom how you Elliott play, runs for president. This is, this is how yeah. it goes down. Tom Elliott runs for president and he runs. On the John uh, platform John, John of Elliott. we're bringing cheating back to Carlton. <laughs> All payments will take place in the stands. In the with stands. With the Carlton crew. Yeah, exactly. Organised crimes back in Melbourne. Uh, we're <laughs> yeah. going to get them on board. It's going to be like the good old days. If you could... All right, if, the, if you're going to give the Bulldogs, like a, if you could orchestrate some kind of cheat that would improve the Bulldogs and you'd get away with it, would it, what would it be? Would it be um, a, a salary cap thing? Would it be a supplements kind of thing? What, would you, what, would you, what advantage would you take if you knew you could get away with it? Um, oh, okay. So I think if I was going to um, uh, institute a cheating program down at the Bulldogs, mm. um, salary cap's not an issue. We actually have a lot of money in our salary cap, so that's not the issue. Um, uh, I don't think the supplements program, I don't like that. I don't like the idea that you're fucking with uh, you know, the player's future and well these being. sort of things. I'm going to go with bribing umpires. Yeah, I'm going to go with sort of an instituting sort of like bribing umpires to, to give us like, because in the game of AFL, people already think that the umpires, you know, make bad decisions one way or the other. So I think that's the sort of one that you could, you could probably get away with. And I think mm. if you were going to put the majority of your money into bribing umpires, that'd be the way to go. I think for the Saints, I'd like to go old school. Like back in the days of Moorabbin, it was quite common that before a game, especially when we're playing like a quite a pacey team, that we would just go out and we'd water the ground just to get it nice and muddy, bring that team down to our level. I think I'd like to implement that, but at Etihad. So a team turns up and they're like, how the fuck is it completely wet? There is a roof on this stadium. And we're like, mm, I don't know. I guess it uh, must have been a leak or something. Um, faking recreational drug tests. I'm going to get all the best players to the club and we're going, basically we're guaranteeing you guys that uh, during the week you will never fail a recreational drug test. I think the players would be all for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I mean. You're recruiting good players to yeah. the club. You go around all the other clubs. You find their players that are superstar players but have problems with recreational drugs. And you say, yeah. well, you know what? The problem with your club is you have to be really careful about how many pingers you take on a Saturday night because on Monday they're going to test you at training. Well, down on yeah. the Bulldogs, we have a no testing policy. In fact, we'll go a step further. We have a room full of pensioners. Pingers. That you can just come in. Oh, yeah, we've got the yeah. pingers room and we've got the yeah. piss room. We've got a whole yeah. bunch of old people down in a, in a factory. Peter Gordon's got a factory of old people just pissing nonstop. You can come in, get some fresh urine whenever you want. And just grab some pingers out of the back. <laughs> pingers and piss. That's what we offer at the Bulldogs. <laughs> um, what did you make of uh, the uh, purple and danger stash? Uh, this is... Um, uh, so, so it was uh, no, Chag, uh, cane corns and... Danger. Oh, sorry, Is this what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got confused. It was the Bevo and Purple Stoush, and I got confused. It was the Cane Corns and Danger Stoush. So the yeah. Bevo and Purple Stoush, for a start, is I, I have mixed loyalties on this one because, like, clearly Bevo hates Purple. 
Um, yeah. And uh, hates the color purple. Won't even uh, watch Dorothy the, watch the Dinosaur. Film. Just yeah, <laughs> the color purple. Hates the movie The Color Purple. Just anything to do with purple. Uh, the purple people eater. Won't go near it. Um, hates Doesn't listen to Fremantle. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, oh, hates Prince. Would not go to Paisley Park. <laughs> hates Purple Rain. All all of it. Um, so he, him and Damien Barrett have a long standing feud. Um, uh, Bevo used the, like during the Tom Boyd press conference, um, you know, uh, didn't name him, but everybody, including Damien himself, um, have sort of, you know, put two and two together and realized that that's who he was talking about. Um, look, I've heard them both talk about it. And it's one of those ones where I, I, I like both of them as people mm. and I have heard both of their stories and I have sympathy for both of their stories and it's a bit hard to, to know which way you're meant to come down. But it's fair to say most Bulldogs fans have got on board with Bevo on that. <laughs> it's fair to say that I'm the peacekeeper in the middle. Most Bulldogs fans, not really big fans of... Uh, Are you saying there's very fine people on both sides of the argument, Will? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, Donald both Trump sides style. I'm saying, look, yeah. I, I'm hearing both arguments. There's fine people on both sides. There's Damien Barrett supporters and there's our Luke Beveridge supporters. I'm hearing both arguments. I'm taking them both on board. I can see the positives in both. All right. Well, let's talk about the Kane Corns danger stoush then because that way you can take your Bulldogs hat off. Where yeah. do you sit on that? Uh, definitely with danger. Fuck you, Kane Yes. <laughs> I mean, Kane Corns is such a twerp, isn't he? He's a real twerp. Like when you watch that, like this, I love the, that you're calling the, him a twerp. By the way, he is. That's what you've it's gone the perfect with. Perfect twerp. It's the perfect word to describe him. He's just a twerp. Like he sits there, that little bloody sniper sitting there on his little desk, that stupid little halfway through the round show he does, and he just loves to pot players. And it's just that thing to of like, what do you mean? I mean, it is. It was so clearly a personal vendetta against danger about he overplays injuries. How the fuck do you know? How the fuck do you know? Well, I think like Kane Corns in his defense, and I'll, I'll give him this. He right. clearly, well, he clearly, his dad built a pretty good reputation on being sort of, you know, the hot take guy before hot takes were a thing over in, in South Australia. And mm. then Kane's clearly learned from that and has gone, you know, yeah. there needs to be a contender to the hot take crown. And, you know, I, as the rightful son of the original hot taker, you know, it's my role to step up into the hot take zone and the one thing I would say is it's rare that somebody, an interstate commentator in particular, manages to make so many news items and waves and stuff in the Victorian media. So it's working for him. But mm. like anyone whose, um, you know, shtick is being reactionary or having a hot take on anything, it eventually, you go to the same playbook over and over and it eventually just gets a little bit tired. And the thing about Patrick Dangerfield is that if Patrick Dangerfield was playing up injuries a bit and then not being able to play through an injury or get back on the field, it's a legitimate criticism. But if Patrick Dangerfield wants to get on some crutches and then come back and, you know, play the next week, then I think that's part of the theatre and show business of the game. Yeah, 100%. It's also too, like, you just can't separate the fact that Kane Corns is Chad's brother. <laughs> and you know how you feel about Chad. And so it's almost like the Eric and Don, Jun Don Donald Trump Jr. kind of thing. So it's you're like, saying oh. that Kane Corns and Chad Corns are the Eric Trump and Don Trump Jr. of yes, Australian football? of the AFL, 100%. Like, one seems bad. like a douche and the other one just seems like a little twerp. Just a little yeah. bloody twerp. Twerp. <laughs> I'm bringing it back. Uh, yes, all right. So, uh, yes, I think we're both on the same side on that. I love Danger. I think that Danger's... You know, and if he is faking it a bit, if he's doing a bit of the James Brown, I can't go on, and then he like mm. throws away the crutches and runs back onto the field, more power to him. Football's meant to be entertaining. And did you, so if you're a big fan of Danger, then you must love the uh, the purple podcast you did with Danger, where they went head to head. Oh, I haven't listened to that. Have you heard that? No. Danger and purple, head to head? Yeah. What's the uh, his podcast called? On the Outer or? Every football podcast it's so hard to remember because they're all football cliches. And I know that when we were coming up with a name for this show, we ran through quite a few. It's the final quarter, the first quarter, the whistle blows, blah, 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 blah. 
But this podcast until we came they- up with a name that was just so commercially successful. <laughs> Two guys, one cup. What could ever go wrong with that? I can't remember what it's called, but hang on. Now I'm on the AFL website now. Okay. It's it's. Oh, uh, so this you, is AFL podcast, is it? Yeah, it's his AFL podcast. It's called. Because I listen to the, the sounding in, board, which is the one he does with Hutchie. But what, what, yeah, what, and, what I, and, I t- and as we've as we've established, I can't listen to that one because I once saw Hutchie kissing a girl outside Eve Night Club, and it and it <laughs> scarred me for life. <laughs> but uh, Purple's AFL podcast is called In the Game. Mm. By the way, I have heard rumours that uh, Hutchie wasn't pashing that girl out the back of Eve nightclub. She was choking on a souvlaki and that was the only way he could get it out of her mouth. <laughs> you had a good run up on that one. That's the best you could come up with. <laughs> Removing a souvlaki mouth to mouth. Yeah. Mouth to mouth souvlaki removal. That's Hutchie's... Secret skill. <laughs> His go-to move. That's exactly. Disgusting. If you ever have anyone choking on a sofa, the first person you call is Hutchie. But that, but um, ring, ring SEN. They'll put you straight through to him. So Richmond are back. Uh, yeah, Richmond are good. Richmond are a good football team. Richmond could win the whole thing at this point because they've got that great thing where they could just go through the season winning enough games and then get enough of their good players back that... There's even talk that Alex Rance might be right for the finals if they if they make it that far. Well, we predicted, I said Collingwood, you said Geelong. Yeah. But I'm getting a feeling now, having watched quite a few of the Eagles games this year, that I think the Eagles are going to go back to back. And I only say that because no one is excited about them. Like all the talk is around Collingwood and Geelong and sometimes GWS and now Richmond. But the Eagles are just getting it done, playing at like 60%. And I just reckon at the end of the year when they get like a couple more of their players back and they've got that home ground advantage that they're just going to be impossible to beat over there. The question will be, will they be able to do it on the MCG again? But I reckon they'll definitely get there. You know who's a good player for the Eagles? A man I still probably couldn't pick out of a lineup, Shannon Hearn. Gee, he's a good footballer. He is a good footballer. Like yeah. watching him the other night, you were just like, oh yeah, right. I see what your great value to this uh, football team is. Um, we haven't heard anything from Mark Lacroix in the off-season, have we? Like, do we know what Mark Lacroix is up to now? Is he commentating on, uh, you know, West West Coast Eagles games? Well, like- uh, why, why don't you, um, you've got your phone there. Why don't you, why don't you oh. give him a call? Do Hang you want on. me to, do you want yeah, me to give him a call? Yeah, why don't you just, uh, all right, yeah, I'll just, uh, just um, pick I'll up just, the phone. I'll just, okay. I'll just, you'll just, I'll just, I'm just going to step out for a, a sec. Okay. Um, All right. Hang on. Wait a minute. What? Okay. All right. Yep. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll speak to you soon, Will. Let me have you go with uh, Mark McCraw. Oh, okay. Great. Hang on. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> go. Uh, he- hello? Oh, hello? Hello. Who is this? Is that, uh, it's Will Anderson from Two Guys, One Cup. Is that Mark McCraw? Ah, Will. It is so good to hear your voice after all this time. Tell me, are you still doing that podcast? The two guys who eat shit. <laughs> no, it's not called Two Guys Who Eat Shit, Mark. It's called uh, Two Guys, One Cup. Ah, I'm it's sorry. It's podcast. I am still drunk from the grand final win. I have been supping on wine and smoking uh, cigarettes every day since that victory. So I have had no much time to listen to AFL podcasts. But uh, tell me, Will, who is on top of the ladder? I assume it is the Eagles. Uh, well, it's actually Geelong. Geelong at the moment. The Cats. Uh, ah, suck le bleu! <laughs> it is the Cats. Those bastards. How did they get to the top of the ladder? It is a conspiracy <laughs> against the West. <laughs> now, uh, Mark, the thing that I wanted to ask, and we've all wanted to ask, apart from, uh, obviously... You know, supping on wine and uh, smoking cigarettes since grand final day. What what else have you been up to? Are you are you working? Are you commentating on local games? What's going on? No, Will. I took some time off to travel back to Paris. Oh, yeah? Where I did a course in existentialist poetry. Mm. And so I have been writing a poem about what it means to be a, a Mark, the little Frenchman Lacroix. Would you like to hear my poem? I would love to hear your poem, Mark Lacroix. The sun, she rises. The sun, she sets. 
But Mark Lacroix, he does a hardball gets. Whether he's selling the dummy or going for a bounce, everything he would give you, he leaves not an ounce. For Mark Lacroix is the greatest forward pocket to ever take the field. Okay, maybe Eddie Betts is better. But come on, whose hair is better? <laughs> that bit does not rhyme. This poem shall finish. And let me just say, you've got to be in it to win-ish. <laughs> I don't know, I've got to work out the ending. What do you think of my poem, Will? Uh, I liked it, Mark Lacroix. Uh, now, Mark, can I ask you this? Uh, when you were in Paris uh, smoking your cigarettes and celebrating your grand final victory, you didn't smoke any of those uh, cigarettes near uh, Notre Dame, did you? No, absolutely not. I did not go to Notre Dame. Although Jack Watts did stop off to see me on the way to Germany. <laughs> he said he was going to Oktoberfest or something. Uh, and right. he wanted to know if I had anything to give him a bit of a kick. <laughs> I did not know what he was talking about. I assume everything went well for him. Uh, now, I've, I've just put up an article, Mark Lacroix, that says uh, you're having an 8.5 metre boat custom made. Um and uh, you're deferring plans to join your family's uh, fishing business, but may join your father, Peter, in an avocado-growing venture. Is that correct? Ah, uh, yes. Yes, the one thing I've learned about this country of Australia, I mean, yep. I'm in Paris right now, but when I'm back in Australia, <laughs> is that you can charge $12 for avocado on toast. Sure, that's no way to buy a house if you're a young person, but when you are a rich footballer like Marc Lacroix, you can afford all the avocados in the world. So I will open a little cafe, which is French for cafe. <laughs> I guess. And I will only serve avocado on toast or avocado on bag baguettes. <laughs> all right, well, anyway, Will, it <laughs> is time for me crap. to go. I need to take a trip down the River Seine and visit Lord's. And maybe stick my head into the Pepe Le Pew Museum. <laughs> Au revoir, Will. Until next time. Au revoir, Mark Lacroix. Hey, Will. I'm back. How'd it go oh, with Mark? Charlie, you're back. You, you just missed the most amazing interview I did with Mark Lacroix. He oh, was in Paris. God. I don't know. I feel like we should stop getting him on the show. <laughs> It well, seems we haven't like had him on for so long. Bit. It was so nice to have him back. He's, he's, been, he's had a whole range of adventures he's been up to. Oh, really? Yeah, he's, been, he's, he's, he's been... off to visit the Pepe Le Pew Museum, apparently, Charlie. <laughs> you know, That's that a... famous Paris icon, the Pepe Le Pew Museum. It sounds incredibly racist. I mean, it's more amusing when you hear it from him. <laughs> um, now, we've been sent some uh, correspondence here by a okay, few listeners. Uh, Sally oh, sent in an article. This is a, a link to Fox Sports, uh, which is called Footy's Odd Couple, Collingwood Midfield, Adam Trelaw, and Bootman Neil Price. Okay. So she says this is not a story about socks, but it'll give us some info on boot superstition. Okay. Okay, so I'm just opening the article here. All right. So uh, this is by Sarah Ollie, Fox Footy's Sarah Ollie. A lot has changed for Adam Trelaw when he moved from GWS to Collingwood. Not only was he thrust from obscurity to the spotlight, but from the youngest club in the competition to one of the oldest and the most revered. But when you ask the young Magpie midfielder what has been the most transformational part of his game at the Holden Centre, it's not the big crowds or even playing in the 2018 Grand Final. Instead, it's a humble boot man called Nilo who never fails to make Trelaw smile. Ah, oh, this is what we need. A human now, is, interest is story. is the boot man like a boot stutter? Boot is the boot man also a boot stutter? Is that a different name or is there a boot man and a boot stutter? Well, let's keep, keep reading. We'll, we'll okay. see what was revealed. Uh, Trelaw says, when I moved down at the end of 2015, I met everyone at the footy club, Bucks, Gary Pert, Neil Baum, and there was the boot man, he tells Fox Footy. I went and met Nilo and it turns out he's the most beautiful soul at the footy club. Every time I come in and I see Nilo, I give him a big hug and make sure he's going all right because it can be pretty boring just sitting there and he's done it for probably longer than I've been alive. Oh, my oh, God. Right. That okay. sounds like some kind of Faustian pack with the devil, which is like you can get eternal life, but you can never leave the property steward cage. Right. Yeah, exactly. The minute that you leave the cage, you, you actually age naturally. 
He's actually, uh, it's five years longer than Trelaw's been alive, actually. Neil, Neil uh-huh. O'Price has spent 31 years volunteering as Collingwood's boot man. And in that time, he's seen plenty. <clears throat> I started off back at Vic Park, he recalls. I had two old phone boxes made into a little room. It was cold and rats were running around. It was horrible. <laughs> then we come to the Holden Centre and everything's brand new. I'm privileged to see what the players do. I can walk down the street and say day to Tony Shaw or Peter Dacos, a huge amount of people, and it's all because of the footy club. Price is part of a dying breed, one of only two volunteers to remain at Collingwood. Yeah, literally a dying you... breed. He's going to die soon. <laughs> Sorry, we, we should have mentioned this up at the top of the article. The 61-year-old wouldn't have it any other way. He's a third-generation Magpie supporter following in the footsteps of his, gran- his mother and grandmother who also bled black and white. My grandmother used to come down It was a medical condition. That's actually what huh? they died of. Their blood wasn't red. <laughs> it was black and white. My grandmother used to come down on the train from Wangaratta every week, watch the game, and then get back on the train at night and go home. Now it's Price who takes the train to the Holden Centre, but only after a gruelling shift that begins with the alarm clock going off at 1am. He works the shittest shift I've ever, I've ever heard of, where he gets up early in the morning to bake the buns at Baker's Delight, Trelaw says. Hang on. So this guy who is the boot stutter, the, well, the boot man at Collingwood, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is a baker at Baker's Delight. So he gets up at one yeah. o'clock in the morning, pops down to Baker's Delight, bakes the buns before he goes to his volunteer job as the, the boot man at Collingwood. Yeah. Uh, he brings in all the Vegemite scrolls and cheese and bacon rolls for the boys and everything gets eaten. It's okay, a reflection so he brings in the, on the, Nilo. You, now, are Collingwood paying for the Vegemite scrolls and b- rolls and stuff he's bringing in from Baker's Delight? Or is this I boot imagine. man a thief? Is he stealing from his place of business <laughs> and uh-huh. taking it into the Collingwood Football Club? You're blowing the lid right off this. You're going to expose this volunteer, the last volunteer. There's one the Baker's 61. Delight down in the, the, the Collingwood region that every morning when they do stock take is missing like 80 <laughs> Vegemite scrolls. <laughs> Uh, Trelaw says he's a humble human being who works his backside off. Trelaw and Price both love wrestling and share an affinity for dogs. But it wasn't how they first bonded. Trelaw was curious as to who was cleaning his boots and wanted to seek out the person responsible to thank them. This is what you like. Adam Trelaw, man of the people. Adam Trelaw. Well, that's the way Adam Trelaw spins it, that he wanted to find the person cleaning his boots that thanked them, but he actually wanted to find the person cleaning his boots because he wasn't happy with the job they'd done. (laughs) Wanted to yell at them. (laughs) He was just like, hey, boot man, I like your stale Vegemite scrolls you bring in from Baker's Delight, but these boots are no good. Being from the Giants and what I experienced there, we had one pair of boots and we looked after our own boots. We didn't have anyone to clean them or anything like that, Trelaw says. You know when Nilo has been in because everything is spotless and back in its position, the boots are cleaned and washed. It's a genuine privilege we get to have someone like Nilo. There's no other way around it. You can tell Price is uncomfortable when Trelaw heaps praise on him. He likes his position behind the scenes, isn't it used to being in the public eye? But when he does open up on Colin when all the people have made the biggest impact in his life, his language flows and his eyes smile. Bloody Sarah Ollie pouring a bit of bloody hot sauce on this. Yeah, I love it. We... We play the greatest game in the world, uh, in the greatest venues in the world, and I barrack for the greatest football club in the world. All right, ease up, Pricey, uh, Nilo. <laughs> Nilo. There's no other team like Collingwood. I remember the first game we went to in 1970, and Peter McKenna kicked a goal from the goal square, his 100th his, yeah, his goal. My mum was there, my nana was there. We sat with the same people all the time. It's just a family place. Trelaw is now part of that family. I've seen a lot of people over a long period of time and, you know, straight away the good ones. Adam was one of those. While Price doesn't travel interstate with Collingwood, he's present at every home game as well as every additional match in Victoria. And on Saturday, on Saturday when Collingwood faces Carlton at the MCG, Trelaw knows exactly where his great mate will be. I'll always go and find him in the rooms, Trelaw says, just so I can throw my boots at him and say, you did a so terrible clean job. Clean this, you old man, or where are my Vegemite scrolls? <laughs> I know where he is. Every game I've played for Collingwood, I've gone and given him a big hug and he's wished me good luck. Price has his own routine on game day. I always like to take a shit in the boots, says Price. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, this human interest story, I feel like I needed to take a bit of a dark turn and make it a bit more interesting. I always clean the left boot first, Price says. I heard Greg Chappell say in interviews, that one of his superstitions that he always put on his left shoe before left shoe before his right shoe, and I thought if it's good enough for Greg Chappell, it's good enough for me. As it turns out, 
It's good enough for Trelaw. I always put my boots on left to right. So same as him, he says with a smile. Reading this article makes me think that Nilo has some photos of Adam Trelaw. Well, you know, the thing is about Adam Trelaw, and I will say this after making complete fun of this for the entire time you were doing it, is that I hear nothing but good things about Adam Trelaw. He seems to be genuinely one of the nice guys in the AFL. Like he coaches junior teams and he's been involved in the AFLW and he's like, he just strikes me as one of those people who genuinely, everything you hear about him is that he's a really nice guy. That's not what you want to hear, is it? Like, it's not nice. It's like no one tunes into the news to hear a good news story. You want the bad news story. I know. What, what is he covering up? Like, you know, come on. It turns out it's just a nice story about him and the boot stutter. The boot stutter's a nice guy who's volunteered his time for 31 years, and Adam Trelaw's a nice guy. Well, this is no fun. Nah, we need some villains. Give us some people that's easy to dislike. All right, we've got another email here from Christian. Uh, this is uh, more sock gate related information. Okay. I think I think no, it's Christiane. Sorry, I pronounced that Christiane. Hey, um, I just spoke with Jared Did you have Lyons. A BT moment? Is it, have you? <laughs> bloody Australia, mate. We'll bloody pronounce it however we want to pronounce it. It's you're not your Christiane name. It's your Christian name. Uh, yeah, I BT'd it. Uh, okay, so this is straight from the Gold Coast horse's mouth. I just spoke okay. with Jared Lyons. He said there is no change between the three clubs he's been with, Adelaide, Gold Coast, or Brisbane. Did you know, if I would said that Jared Lyons had played for three clubs, would you have known that? I don't even know who Jared Lyons is. <laughs> captain of the Gold Coast. Oh, he's uh, captain, he said, is he? Isn't he? Oh, no, no Jared Witts. Jared Witts. Jared Witts, yeah. Yeah, see? Point proved. Jared <laughs> Witts is co-captain with David Swallow of the Gold Coast. By the way, just for the record, the entire Gold Coast should be bulldozed into the ocean. <laughs> Jared Lyons, yeah, definitely after this weekend. He just spoke with Jared Lyons. There's no change between the three clubs. He's been at Adelaide, Gold Coast, and Brisbane. Four pairs of socks at the start of the season. Wash your own. Everything else is up to the club. Also, Hodgie's outraged that he has to wash his own socks at Brisbane. Good sense he was slightly peeved at that fact. All right, there you go. So okay. at least at Adelaide, Gold Coast, and Brisbane, you get given four socks at the start of the year, mm. and then it's up to you to wash them and bring them. Hang on. Four socks or four pairs of socks? Four, do you, do four, you get eight four, socks? Four, four different four? socks. <laughs> four pairs. You get eight okay, socks. Four pairs of socks. Eight socks in total. At the start yeah. of the season, that are for the entire season. So there's like obviously... And then you have to wash your own socks for the entire season. Yes. Okay. Everything else is up to the club. So I'm assuming like all the rest of your kit. So you just need to bring in your bag. What happens if, we if remember, oh, we've never explored this before, but what happens if you just like have a hole in your socks or whatever? Like if you wear through a pair of socks? No, we have, we have, we have approached it before. Someone said oh. that the property steward will have spare socks on okay. the day. So yeah, but I mean, do you get a replacement pair of socks or do you have to go through the rest of the season with only three pairs of socks left in your rotation? Cause you've, like, ah, so you're saying you're not saying like when you get to the game or the ground or whatever. No, like, I don't oh, mean on game day. I mean like you, you mean, know, say it's like mid-season. You've got your yeah. like your four pairs of socks that you've been supplied by the club, but you through some misadventure, like through your dog Adam Trelaw, right? He loves a do- loves his dog, right? Yeah. And uh, the dog's been gnawing away at his socks that he's left on the ground, and so now he's got a big stinking hole in his socks. Does he get a, automatically a replacement pair of socks, or are they like, well, it's on you, mate? Uh, you've only got three pairs of socks left and you better be careful with them. I think you have to be, you've got to prove that your old socks are done. You've got to bring in the old socks and exchange them for some new socks. That would be the only way they could make sure no one's rotting the system and just like getting as many socks as they can. Hello? Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I was having... I was just like, I thought we are going to go to another expose on Sock Gate. All right, let's look ahead to the games next yes, week, eh? We should, yes, absolutely. All right, I don't even know. Oh, is this uh, the Doug Nichols uh, round? It is an Indigenous round. The West Coast uh, played in their Indigenous jumpers uh, on Friday night because that's their home... It was the only time they would be at home, uh, so they played in their Indigenous jumpers, which I think looked... Uh, Fantastic, I like them. by the way. I really like it, the Indigenous jump. The, there's so many aspects of the Indigenous round that I think are, are amazing. But um, yeah. one of them is the the jumper design and the fact that often, you know, the jumpers are designed by, you know, players at the individual clubs or people who have connections to players at the clubs. And I think it's one of the great the great things about the game is uh, is is how Indigenous round has been uh, has been embraced. 
All right. Well, who's your favorite Indigenous player of all time and your favorite Indigenous player currently playing? Oh, okay. Favorite Indigenous player of all time. Um, I mean, Adam Goods has got to be right up there. Uh, Gavin Wanganeen would be right oh, up yeah. there, I would say. Loved watching Gavin Wanganeen play. Um, uh, I'm going to say, oh, Nicky Wimmer. I mean, it's a hard to... Hard to go past Nicky Winmar as a footballer, isn't it? He was amazing. Um, I remember growing and, up... And watching... also, and and is a Bulldogs legend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Bulldogs legend, Nicky Winmar, of course, uh, played, uh, I think, the majority of his career at the Bulldogs from memory. Um, I, I loved uh, growing up watching the Crackers. I loved watching oh, yeah. the Crackers play together. I just thought they were amazing footballers. What about you? Agent... Of, like, I'll go to current day after this, but who's your historical, your favourite oh, well, Nicky, Nicky Winmar by a, like, by a mile. He was... There was a period of time where Plugger, in that period where they played together, where Plugger was always getting injured or suspended. And so Nicky Winmar was the, he was like the the Scotty Pippen to the Michael Jordan. Like you would go and watch him take over. I remember one game, I think it was 89 against Melbourne, where Plugger was out. And Winmar had often been played on the wing or a forward flank. And they played him at full forward. And you remember watching this like at the start of the game going, what's he going to do at full forward? Like he's just this like skinny, flighty wingman. He proceeded to kick nine goals that game and was unfucking believable. Because the thing about Winmar was he was not only he was a bit like Tim Kelly is now and that he was really quick and skillful, but he's super fucking tough and strong. So like you couldn't beat him on a lead, you couldn't beat him in a one on one contest. He was just he was just the most exciting player I think I've ever seen in a St Kilda jumper. Um, so I love Nicky. But I also um, there was a brief period of time where I thought Adrian McAdam was oh, amazing yes. when he was playing for North. Remember that Adrian first McAdam, season? That first like 10 games or whatever that he Where he, he kicked played. like 60 goals yeah. in like half a season or some amazing. shit like that. I thought he was amazing. Gilbert McAdam played five years yeah. for the Saints. I thought he was pretty good as Byron well. Byron Pickett? Byron Pickett yeah. I used to love. Just the way that he would just rub and shoulder everybody. Um, I reckon Goodsy definitely up there. That 2012, when Spence was on the show, we talked about 2012. And I mainly remember that grand final for his heroics in the last quarter um but i I loved gavin wanganeen as well i just thought i mean he broke my heart in 2004 when he basically got port adelaide into that grand final but no he was a superstar as well so who's your favorite current day uh well i mean it's hard to go past eddie betts isn't it as being the the favorite current day indigenous player but i i would say uh, bolter you sort of if when eddie kind of you know, finishes up in the next couple of years. For me, I love watching um, Anthony McDonald Tip and Woody play. I yeah. just think that, you know, when he's on, uh, he is just an Electric. amazing player to watch. And oh, like Je- Jeff Farmer too. Sorry, I forgot to the whiz. I should have put Jeff Farmer. Yeah. Yeah, superstar player, Jeff Farmer. One of the best forward pockets of all time. Yeah, uh, Eddie Betts easily is like the most... He's the one that you'll always like watch uh, an Adelaide game just to see what Eddie does. I really love Tim Kelly. I think Tim Kelly... Oh, yes, Tim Kelly. How good is he? he? he, He's like the... He's like the not just a prototypical indigenous footballer, but just a prototypical footballer now. He's inside and outside, and he's just awesome. Um Tim Kelly, like Geelong must be, because I know that the big thing is like, you know, that he still wants to go back to Western Australia. And it must be such mixed emotions because every week he just gets better and better. So every week Geelong must be going, oh, it'd be really sad to lose this superstar. But at the same time, it's just the value of him, what he's worth, Mm. even compared (laughs) to the end of last season, is just going up. And up, it's like you've like got a house for sale, and then yeah. they suddenly put in like a park next to it, and the public transport suddenly appears close. And it's like the value of this is just going through the roof. Yeah, I don't know. I just bought uh, stock in this little startup called Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple of um, Saints players who have been drafted this year: uh, Matty Parker and Robbie Young. And Matty Parker, you might have seen him like he's covered in tattoos and stuff, and the way that he approaches the game, like. Him and Robbie Young, who made his debut last week, are both mature age recruits. And both of them, when they kicked their first goals in AFL, like the celebration was like EPL level running to the crowd. Like it's so great. Like you can't really separate the kind of story, the personal story of these guys 
from the player, like when you see them play, but the enthusiasm that they bring, it's something that we've lacked a bit St Kilda for a long time, you know, because we didn't really have a lot of Indigenous players. We sort of lacked that flair and that spark, and now we've got like quite a few. And those two guys in particular, Matty Parker's played every game, and he's just explosive. He's going to take mark of the year. That's my, it's not, we haven't got to tips, but that's my lock of some time, is that Matty Parker at some point in his career will take a mark of the year contender. All right, we should finish up. My computer's running out of power, so and we're okay. running late, and I should actually All go right. home at some stage. I haven't left the All office right. yet. Friday um, night, the Swans take on the Pies at the SCG. Sydney won two in a row. Adam Spencer's bloody cock of the walk. He's sending us text messages on the weekend. He's, he's sending us text messages again. that say, don't read this out on air, which is... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's up and about, it's fair to say. Uh, pies for me. Yeah, Pies win that one. On Saturday, Hawthorne take on Port Adelaide at the University of Tasmania. Uh, that's Jeez, this is an interesting game, isn't it? Because uh, uh, Hawks struggling a little bit. Uh, the yeah. big boy, McAvoy, out for uh, five or six weeks. Um, yeah. And he's really important to Hawthorne. Port, I don't know. It's like Tassie's... Well, the- Port- Porter in the eight, surprisingly. I had no idea. Apparently, they scrounged enough wins to sort of separate. Because Bulldogs, Hawks, Saints, we're all sitting around the middle of the table, like 16, 16 points just outside the eight. Mm. Porter just got their noses in front. But this is the kind of game you expect Port to lose when they yeah. shouldn't. No, Port should win this. But it is, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going yeah. to say Hawthorne win this one down in Tassie. They've got a great record in Tassie. Uh, Port should win it, and which normally means that they'll lose it. So I'm going to say Hawthorne. Yeah, I'm going to say the Hawks as well. Uh, the Western Bulldogs take on the Shinboners at Marvel Stadium on Saturday afternoon. Well, this is one um, we should win, which means we probably won't win it. But <laughs> I'm going to, uh, in my I, every week, I back the Bulldogs, so I'm going to say the Bulldogs win. Uh, just for the point of difference, I'm going to tip North Melbourne, not with much confidence though. Adelaide take on West Coast at Adelaide Oval and potentially match of the round. Adelaide yeah. bouncing back from a loss uh, last week uh, to the bomb. No, who did they lose to? Who did Adelaide lose to last week? Someone. Did they? I can't yeah. even remember. Anyway, I can't, I've forgotten. But they're, uh, yes, they're, they're going to be rebounding into West Coast. I mean, I don't know. West Coast are having that kind of Richmond oh, Brisbane, year. that's right. They lost to oh, Brisbane, Brisbane by a point. But they came home strong, Adelaide. Yeah, but I don't know. I just West Coast have a bit of that. You know, like last year when Richmond were in the the height of their entourage period, where just fucking mm-hmm. everything worked out for them. I feel like West Coast are in that. Like even their disappointing losses aren't that disappointing. And I just reckon that they will, they'll win this game. I'm going to pick West Coast. Okay, you've talked me around. I'm going to say West Coast too. It's not too far for West Coast to travel Adelaide either. So I don't no. think it hurts them as much as it does other teams. Uh, the Gary Ablett Cup, Gold Coast take on Geelong up at Metricon. Uh, Gold Coast and Geelong. Now, Geelong at some stage are due to lose one. Could it be possible that that they would lose to Gold Coast on the Gold Coast in the Gary Ablett Cup? Uh, No. I mean... No, I don't think so either. Although, wouldn't it be amazing if they did? Uh, No, I'm going to pick Geelong in that game. Yep. Geelong for the flag. Geelong win that one. Richmond take on... Oh, the Dreamtime, the MCG game. Richmond take on the Bombers. Uh... This could be a fairly even contest. Both in good form. Bombers had a win. Dylan Shield can kick again, apparently, because he nailed one shot on goal. <laughs> I mean, this is this is ridiculous. This is how bad the hyperbole gets. Uh, Dylan Shield kicks a goal. It made it into the AFL's uh, top nine plays of the week. It's because he kicked a goal. Does that mean his kicking woes are finished? No, it just means that there's a lot of low expectations about his kicking. Uh, I'm going to say Richmond win that one. I'm going to say Richmond as well. Melbourne take on GWS at the MCG on Sunday. Uh, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Melbourne were really good against West Coast. It's, they um, were, and GWS would... are no good at the MCG. Oh, really? That's your big no. claim. Well, so then, what are you I don't pick? think it's my big claim. I think it's everyone who's seen them play at the MCG. They're no good at the MCG. So Melbourne just need to follow the Hawthorne copy playbook, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right, so you're picking Melbourne then? No. No, I hate <laughs> Melbourne, Charlie. You know that. GWS. Uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, it's the Saints taking on the Blues at Marvel Stadium. I mean, this is the kind of game. We could bulldog. We could bulldogs it this week. <laughs> like, we should win. They're coming off an absolute hiding. They're getting slammed from pillar to post. It's the kind of game that we... we here's what I predict. 
is it'll be a fucking arm wrestle for no apparent reason and we'll just get across the line and convince nobody. Yeah, look, uh, Colton need a big scalp at this stage, don't they? After all the attention that's their way, they really need to come out and absolutely smash someone. Um, but I don't think they will. I think the Saints win that one too. And the last match is uh, Frio versus the Brisbane Lions at Optus Stadium. And I realised you and I have not locked this week away, not one game. Mm. So we, we have to pick a lock. I'm going to pick Brisbane. And that's my lock of the week. Oh, I'm going to pick uh, Frio at home, and that's my lock of the week. <laughs> well, we'll soon find out on yep. Sunday afternoon. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Go to tofop.com to check out uh, this and many other of our fine podcasts. You can go to our Facebook page if you want to send us a message. And I say, play on Not 15. And I say, ball. We are two guys, one car.